Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Chris Ragg, Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing spreadsheets. Right, strap in, uh, listeners, uh, spreadsheets, here we go. Um, I think, if you don't mind, I'd just like to kick things off a little bit, because I think what we want to talk about, in our sort of uh, show notes, not our show notes, in our prep notes for this, we, through his spreadsheet, will you know him? Mm. How documents layout maketh the man? Messy document, yes. file structures, inboxes, desks, etc. equals messy brain. I don't know if I'm revealing too much of the magician behind the curtain there. We are a bit, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but immediately this made me go, aha, because I think this is one of these, um, if, it, if this is not every episode, definitely this is an episode which I'm sure this is going to separate me from you lot. Um, because, I mean, apart from anything else, I remember years ago when I worked as an economist, God knows how, um, I, um, I was introduced really quite Did the company go bust by any chance? <laughs> it did. I failed yeah. within months. Um, yeah, I mean, spreadsheets all the time. And I remember the first time I looked at a sort of GDP annual analysis spread. I mean, just numbers everywhere, numbers everywhere, and linked files, linked all this business, linked pages. <laughs> That's and kind of what spreadsheets are for, Fraser, is well, but his, yeah, organizing but his, things. Yeah. Yeah, and I hated it. But also, what used to really annoy my colleague was we, we work off these templates, and I managed to break the template every time that I had one. It was a, a supposedly unbreakable template. And um, I managed to do it each time. And my 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 spreadsheets were messy. Um, I got a bit of a messy brain. My inbox is it's all it's all a bit of a disaster, frankly. So um, there you go. Yes. And I bet you lot. I bet you lot. Oh my God. I bet your I bet your spreadsheets are a work of wonder and mastery. No, I bet I, th- I think you're going to be surprised actually, right. Fraser. Okay. I think there might be interesting differences between the three of us. Okay. I think you. I seem to recall you and Peter have like grudge grumble massive stuff. spreadsheet arguments yeah yeah well like blazing, no, actually with Pete, the big issue about... between me and peter is about file file names and file structures and stuff i think we'll touch on that i'm pretty okay. sure we'll touch on that yeah and, yeah and if nick stops mi- if misrepresenting how i organize my files then maybe he'll understand my, my organize my, 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 do you know what he just said he organizes his files it's a total lie <laughs> I like that we're just a minute or two in. I just, I've got a feeling about this one. I've got a feeling about this episode. <laughs> Here we go. So who wants to go for it? Nick, yeah, I mean, well, Nick I, you came I, up with a topic. I do, because I, I, I have strong feelings about um, about spreadsheet design, right? Mm. Uh, is They're not particularly doctrinal. I don't say that there's one way you should do it, but sure. I, it's just that. I think you're looking <laughs> at someone's spreadsheet. Yeah, I, I think looking at someone's spreadsheet um, is very revealing. So... If someone sends me a spreadsheet and it's got like random empty rows, randomly merged cells, that's a particular pet hate. So when you've got someone's just merged cells because they don't know how to resize the columns, um, different fonts and colors, right, where they don't actually mean anything. They just prettied it up by changing the colors of things. When they have notes fields in random columns, sometimes there'll be text notes in column M and sometimes it'll be in column N where you've got no clear distinction between sort of input data and process data. So you can't, you know, kind of formulas randomly dotted around. And my I absolute... don't remember g- giving you access to my file. Yeah, so <laughs> my bit, my number one pet hate is mm. where you have, effectively they use one worksheet 
to do multiple different uh, different spreadsheets. You'll have like one mm. four by six up here, and then mm. a few rows down, they'll start a new ten by three, and then there'll be another one which is just one line of something, all on the same worksheet. Um, now, I, and yeah, see, Nick's not uh, doctrinal. There's either his way or the wrong way. Yeah, the, the, or, but that, one of the ways of doing it are wrong. But he's not yeah. doctrinal. So, so, so I, it's no, they're not wrong. Let me tell you what they are. What they indicate is that you're, I'm gonna. I'm going to find it problematic to try and explain things to you in a clear way. They they show that I'm going to find you're it not wrong. You're stupid. To, well, that's more. Yeah. That's where I'm going. Yeah. I, yeah. I I think there is something about um, the way that people are happy or unhappy or feel compelled to organise info in something like a spreadsheet, and I think as we're going to touch on, probably other forms of documentation that gives you an insight into the extent to which into the way that they approach thinking about things um and i think i think uh, clear spreadsheets are once really uh, just a very short step away from things like you know very clear code for example where you know you you sort of try and make sure that the shape of the spreadsheet fits the shape of the analysis in in a kind of fundamental way um and if people don't do that it it, it concerns i find it disturbing I feel like they're not thinking properly if they're not if they're not spreadsheeting properly. What, uh, what, there you go. I just put that down this, there. What brought, what brought this into your mind now, though? Because you suggested this subject. Why is it just you just finally had enough, or I mean, I might have just I might have experienced a couple of dodgy spreadsheets recently. That's all. But I'm not going to name names. Well, that brings us on to Peter. So it's <laughs> not here, no. Chris. <laughs> no. So. Um, yeah, well, look. Let's have a response. I, yeah, I feel like there's a, a you know a grumbling going on here. There's there's unspoken of tensions. Um, yeah, I mean, who's got a response to that? I mean, what what are Nick's spreadsheets like, Chris? Uh, anal, I think is the. Uh, is the <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think I think most of what Nick said, I agree with about spreadsheets. But I think there are different ways you might use spreadsheets. So that. So there are times where you want to use a spreadsheet simply because of some fu piece of functionality it has. So like mm. um, the fact you can sum a row of numbers, right? Where you don't necessarily want to think particularly about, you, you might have several sets of numbers you want to sum, uh, all of which are, you know, and you don't label them or anything. You, you simply drop them in, use the sum function and, and off you go. Um, so I think, I, I think, there's a there's an investment of effort into structuring a, a spreadsheet, you know, appropriately for mm. a piece of analysis, uh, and it's it. I think Nick Nick's investment of effort sometimes outweighs the uh, the benefit. output the benefit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but by and large, for something that's complex, yes, I I, I agree. You know, you you mm. want you Tell you don't want lots of different things happening in one sheet. Yeah. But it's, mm. it's it's like the difference between like an essay that you're handing in and mm. a set of notes that you might be scribbling to yourself, mm. you know, where you've got something up in the top left-hand corner and something over here. And, mm. um, and I, think, I think spreadsheets can be used, so long as you're not handing them on to someone else and expecting them to know what's going on in it, yeah. uh, as, a, as a more of a whiteboard kind of thing where you can just drop things in, you, you know, put yeah. a graph here. And, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter, what are your two cents on this? Um, I agree with Chris. I think it really depends on what you're doing with it. If the, if, if the spreadsheet is likely to scale to very large numbers of things, then yes, you need a very highly methodical approach. But I'm Nick's last criteria, I'm very happy to relax the one sheet per purpose thing if it aids readability. Because there are some times when you want, maybe, maybe for example, uh, we often do like costing spreadsheets projects where 
There'll be sort of labour costs, which is measured in numbers of days. There'll be travel travel costs, and then there might be a third set of costs, which are kind of like capital purchase costs. It makes sense because there's only ever half a dozen of those, no more than that. You can get all of those on one sheet in one view on one screen so that it's all readable. You can see the three different types of costs and added together. Whereas Nick's, Nick's doctrinal approach would require three separate sheets and then a fourth sheet for doing the summation, which is, is they're not immediately obvious when you see, when you look at the sheet. Yeah, that sounds a bit, um, now what's that word? Anal. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Peter's describing two di- this problem of three-dimensional data, which is definitely a problem when you have spreadsheets. Um, Peter's saying that he likes to express the third dimension by replicating the thing multiple times on the same sheet. And he's correctly discerned that I much prefer to use the multiple worksheets to express the third dimension. So that, for example, if you have time and type and and category for example i want to i want to see that same grid on you know three different whatever you've got whatever dimension has the fewest uh, categories that's the thing you use the tabs for but it's not very good i have to admit no it's bad at the third dimension well, well, it well, really isn't it shouldn't be using excel really to you to for three-dimensional data but but well, anyway on. anyway no, what no, well yeah well let's try and answer the question we sort of posed which yeah. was, can you tell the personality type um, and their behaviours from from this kind of stuff? Because frankly, between at the moment between you and Peter, I think we're sort of sort of a paper, you can put a bit of paper down that sort of gap. Really, it's yeah. not as big as it sounds. Um, I mean, sometimes people just don't know how to use spreadsheets. Really, well, they're not no, trained. They're, 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 not they're, they're, I'm sorry, but the distinction between the uh, between the three-dimensional tab and the three-dimensional uh, verticality people is like Protestants and Catholics. It's the it's the biggest difference you can get. Well, a bit like Protestants and Catholics. If you're a Muslim looking at this, you go, well, "What are they fight?" Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so look, I think Chris wants to come in. So we want to talk about personalities, right? No, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah I think so, and it. I, there's definitely there's definitely something there about the the way you think, but I but I don't know I don't know that it ref, re, relates to personality as such. I think it's it's a difficult one because I would say like you know Nick is somebody who uses um, a lot of um, systematic uh, structure for things like spreadsheets, uh, inboxes, the like task management um, things. So, when, you know, when, when you've got a to-do list, hmm. uh, Nick's isn't just a list of things. It's it's highly sort of, you know, he uses a software tool to kind of structure it all and give it ratings for different things as to its priority and so on and so forth. Hmm. So from that point of view, he, he's sort of very, uh, very ordered with his task management right but i never have any but, time to do any of those tasks because i'm spending so you're spending long all your time doing yeah them. so it's the, it, but there's a big investment <laughs> in, in that but but that's something that he does but then if you look sort of um you know if if you look around you know our our, our listeners won't be able to see this but if you but if you look at nick's sort of background you know you look at like i've visited nick's you know house a number of times it's not it's not a sort of you know bastion of of, of nordic minimalism and, and order mm. it's uh, you know it's it's sort of it, it, everything isn't it's not like um what is it Mar- Marie Kondo you know with with everything mm. sort of hung in a really efficient way to get all your shirts out of the the, the thing you know it's a it's a sort of cluttered you know environment like mo- you know a lot of people's houses and you know 
Nick himself sort of, you know, has a certain air of, of kind of Boris Johnson dishevelment about about him. You know, he's not he's not there kind of ironing his clothes or, or you know, routinely shaving yeah. or putting all his shoes in a in a neat line by the door, right? So so I, so I don't think um, so you wouldn't say he he's an ordered person, and, and you know I have a I have a, a test right, which is my sort of sense of the uh, that I've long held as a sense of the reliability of a person, right? Which is the letter God. test, right? Yeah. Go on, um, this is very exciting. The, the letter test is um, is. I want to know if I've been subjected to it. Well, I uh, yeah, well, it probably it. is a is a mental exercise as much as anything else, a thought experiment. But right. is if you have an important letter. Right? Yeah. Would would you give it to that person and trust them to post it for you? Right? Nick Nick is the only person who's who's actually in reality <laughs> failed the letter test for, for me, which is when he, we had some we were setting it out of a bank account or applying for this a loan or something. This is still this is glitch in the matrix territory. Yeah. I still don't understand what happened to that letter. Uh, and uh, yeah, Nick uh, effectively had it in his hand and then he left it in a taxi. Um, no, I, and well, some. <laughs> some, anyway, posted? somehow the letter got to me. Yeah. Some, you know, Samaritan somewhere picked it up, and after embezzling thousands of pounds from our bank account, <laughs> sent sent us the letter. So, so sort of in terms of, you know, he, he's got this very methodical approach for his management of of um, of tasks. Yeah. But I think I think that probably what that tells you is that his capacity to do it without that structure exactly. Is, exactly. is not really there and so that's so it's not that he 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 has that structure not because that structure exists it's because it's not naturally inherent in his yeah. brain and he's imposing it's a, it's it to a manage the world it's a crutch he uses in the digital world that doesn't yeah. exist in the physical so world. i think that's perhaps sort of counterintuitive that you think really ordered people have loads of order but i think right. maybe yeah. I, I, and so I, th- I think wait, I, wait, wait, but wait, wait, wait. Well, okay, you just carry on to... talking about me, don't worry. I won't. Yeah, I, I, that, that's okay, the idea. I'll just sit back. Um, yeah, because no, I want to bring in Peter, but no, I think you're absolutely right, Chris. And and actually, I am. I'm not a particularly organised person, but I actually have lots of systems in place which I'm not always great at organising. Um, but I, no, I'm the same. Basically, I'm the same, and I'm actually quite an organised person because I'm not an organised person. So um, that's exactly so, what I was going to say. So yeah, we we are the same then, Fraser. You and me. We are. We're not, We're not so different, different you and I. Peas in, in, the, in the pod. <laughs> exactly. Peter, um, any, any, any thoughts at this stage? Well, since, Nick, since Chris commented on Nick, I think it might be worth, it might be full to me to give a critique of Chris. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? um, yes. So Chris, Chris, Chris got... Uh, By the way, a, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Just say, Chris, you would, I, I, I like this letter test. And I would, I mean, of anyone on this call, I would definitely give a letter to you. So just oh, to say that, and obviously, yeah, I I don't expect that to be reciprocated that sentiment in any way whatsoever. Um, sorry, Peter, I jumped right in. If there, you give it to I me, trample. I'll scan it and email it for you. Actually, I'd give it to Peter as well. Actually, but I'm not sure if I would give it to, to Nick. Um, Peter. Um, yeah. So Chris. So Chris. So on positive side, Chris. Chris has got an incredible capacity for like holding in his head a huge number of kind of ongoing tasks. So Chris's task management process is a big list in his head which is amazing that he keeps it together but that's also is also incredibly worrying because it's not very transparent i can't see what yeah he should be doing i have to ask him for a sort of like what what, what parts of what am i am i involved in um but also it's like it's very subject to i don't know head injury or something like that um, yeah, well god forbidden he gets run over 
There's no by backup a, system by a taxi for driver <laughs> who's who's looking around going, "What's that letter doing there?" And it knocks him out, and you know, then you're in trouble. That's um, right. But yeah, yeah that's, but um, sorry, Peter. But, yeah. but but so so there's so there's that which is positive and negative because it's it's obviously very efficient for him, and it's efficient for us when we're sort of in conversation because we can just say, "Oh, Chris, what's number three on the priority list?" and he can get it straight away. Uh, yeah, and when shit um, needs to get done. Yeah, it's but, definitely faster. Yeah, but so the, the other thing is kind of what we, what Nick and I sometimes call digital hygiene, which is sort of when, um, like, keeping your inbox minimized, so you can only has the things that re- are, require some action, or um, keeping when when you, when you share your screen on a video call and you've got a million tabs open, it kind of it oh. just it sort of indicates to people that. There's a lot going on, and is it just a bit of a mess? Are they just chaotic? You can't tell if it's an indicator of chaos or sort of extreme organisation. So does Chris have loads of tabs open all the time? He does quite often, yeah. Yeah, I've I've currently got a couple of dozen open, I reckon. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah. and I I can tell because I monitor our systems, and his is always running out of RAM. Because he's got so many tabs. Anyway, um, but the other, but the, the computers but another, can't keep up with me, Fraser. That's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but another another example of digital hygiene is often um, when we are when once once we've sort of submitted a piece of work or sent somebody a file and it's been gone through an intermediate stage where it's been sort of edited locally, say in Microsoft Word or something. Chris quite often forgets to upload the final version to the files. So that we've got a record of it. So it, when we go, oh, where's where's this file? Where's the, this version of this thing? Chris goes, oh yeah, it's on my desktop. I'll just upload Fallible. it now. Fallible. Yeah, but do you want to know, Chris? Do you want to? There's going to be people out there who want to know, who who mm. will need to know what Chris does when his desktop gets too cluttered. Um, which on. his 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 computer his desktop digital his, desktop. His, yeah. Yeah. I, wait. It, I, do you do what I do? Because I create a file that says everything on my desktop, and I put it in there. That's do do exactly that? what I do. Yeah, the, is it? The ever, yeah, the yeah but you you also desktop. include the last the last yeah. version of the everything on my desktop, yeah. Yeah. so that you've got this nested hundreds and hundreds of levels of every yeah. week. Yeah. You know, it's and you, like, it's like a blockchain. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's actually um, nothing like a blockchain. <laughs> yeah. So so look, I didn't expect this into descending as like a character critique of one another, um, but look, the, I guess look, the kind of question we're asking is, hey, the stuff that we interact with and design. On our on an everyday basis, or even don't design, does that reflect our personalities? And well, clearly the answer. Clearly, well, do you want some evidence? Shall we? Shall we? Do you want some evidence? Yeah. Well, clearly the answer is yes, right? I mean, of course that's what's going to happen. But yeah, go on, Nick. Got some amazing anecdotes. Uh, but what about yeah? What about actual studies? Mm. Well, I was hoping that someone had done a study into the connection between the Big Five personality traits and Excel spreadsheet behaviour. And you found disappointingly, one. I didn't. Um, right. In fact, it is not very well studied, right? If you look for evidence about personality and and sort of mess, uh, mm. about fifty percent of the references are to this one study by Catherine Vose from right. a few years back, which is a f- good study. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's hugely misinterpreted. And what what she did was put uh, people in messy environments and tidy environments and then saw what bits of their behavior uh changed so you know were they more likely to think creatively afterwards were they more likely to give to charity those kinds of things and, and the the environment had a, did seem to make a significant difference to people's choices afterwards but everyone says oh what this shows is 
well because if you're in a messy environment you think more creatively that messy people are more creative now it does not tell you that this study does not tell you that all it tells you is um is that if you force someone into a messy environment they might be more creative it doesn't tell you when people have control over their environment what the connection is between their choices about how they and and the and the effort they put into to making it tidy and and their personality which is what i really want to know the i found a few couple of things like and there's no doubt by the way that the messy gang which I consider myself to be in, but the messy gang have really got the PR sorted on this because everywhere you look, it's people going, oh, look, I sod these tidy people, aren't they annoying? Um, because messy people are more creative and they're more intelligent. So the messy people have got the narrative here. Mm. Now, but I, as you Because they're more creative. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> but as you said, Fraser, um, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, what I, I think there's a distinction here. Um, and I did find this one study where they where they were it was looking at IQ connection of IQ and different bits of personality and, and it, apparently IQ is positively related to organisation, which is an aspect of conscientiousness um, mm. to do with you know the extent to which you exert sort of organisational control over your environment, mm. but negatively related to orderliness, which is mm. the extent to which you like things to be legible and orderly, mm. right? Now, I I think this is uh, the key, right? Which is um, which is about uh, I, can you be organised without being orderly, right? And I think my I think what it is that I that I care about is organisation. Um, that's what I think I want a spreadsheet to be organised, right? Um, which which is but the problem is that actually it's not very easy to see that it's much easier to see orderliness it's much easier to look at something and go well that looks orderly all of these things are in nice columns therefore it's organized so that's i think that's the issue that actually they are two different things and what you really want is organization but uh it's much easier to detect orderliness um so there we are that's my that's my theory that's my hypothesis thrown thrown out there yeah yeah um, I like this, Chris. You look like you're about to say something. Well, yeah, I was just, I was just wondering, you know, um, whether actually, as Nick said, it's what what you see is uh, what is observable, right? And I wonder, it's a little bit like um, like graphology, you know, and and using handwriting to determine personality, which is, you know, largely regarded as, as pseudoscience, but you can you can see it, whereas. Whereas what is more difficult to tell, which is probably a much better indicator of personality, is sort of the the content of what's being produced, right? But we sort of fixate on on what is what is visibly um, uh, observable, and we ignore that that kind of order. And I, and I think I think there are kind of two ways of of viewing it. Um, e- either you know you create what um, you create a manifestation of what's in your mind, right? So you 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 have um, uh, you you have organized thought, uh, and so you pr- create something organized as a result. Or you know, is it the case that you can use tools like spreadsheets to organize your your thinking? So that if you teach somebody you know how to use a spreadsheet properly, uh, you can actually make them a more ordered thinker. And, you know, uh, uh, there's probably an element of, of, of both, but 
Um, but yeah, I don't. I, I think being able to determine whether or not whether or not the output of something is organised is actually very very difficult and quite quite subjective, really. Yeah, because yeah, you think of those, um, you know, the the famous you know pictures of, of sort of this is francis bacon's uh, studio or you know uh, sigmund freud's office and it's just cluttered with papers and books and desks and you think yeah. well these people no one's going to say francis bacon would be a better painter if he'd have used spreadsheets right um but <clears throat> sigmund freud said don't tidy up my office i know where everything is now that mm. isn't being messy that means that he's got a system which is which is you know might be hard for an outsider to discern yeah. but it's there and and i think i think this is the this is there's something to think about about the way that there's let's assume that just a bit hand wavy but intelligence and the ability to use your intelligence is in some sense associated with finding patterns in information right so to be able to kind of you know i mean that's what machine intelligence is based on right it's it's kind of you know to think of that as a model that if essentially you are trying to find some underlying explanation for patterns in data in some way um if the data is organized so if things are organized then um you know that just surely is going to be easier to do um but if you're you know if if you have a higher capacity for assimilating information then you can probably cope with less overt organization because you can do more of it cognitively. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that might be why, you know, more Einstein might have had a messy office because he, he might have been, um, you know, intelligent enough to be able to cope with quite a complex organizational system. Mm. Um, yeah, that's yeah. just a, just a, a thought, really. In the, um, in the absence of data, it's a, it's a, a, a hypothesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to stop there, almost. Um, anything? I've got a question I want to ask. Well, but I didn't anything? analyse Peter. We all analysed each other. Oh, well, don't worry about that. Don't right. worry. Well, well, you can. Do you want to analyse Peter right now? Because actually, that's kind of what I want to go on to. Not, it's not all about Peter. but Well, it's next um, turn. Next turn. Yeah. We did a round robin. So, should we do that? Do you, well, I'll just so give you a quick summary. Go on. Of, of Peter the Matt. No. He, uh, I think Peter actively disparages things that are orderly right and i think he and i think he he, he sees it as small-mindedness to try and sort of organize things in a way that um you know puny human minds can comprehend and i like a couple of examples mm. is that um is that in uh in our files which are obviously all shared and cloud-based um I the number one thing I need to know when I look in files is when what is the latest version of something when was something made that's the more or less the first thing I look at which is why my file names all start with the date year month day right Peter couldn't give stuff about that he's like if you need something you can just use the google search function it's fine um the and the other one was that we were talk uh you know we're trying to come up with a common structure for our files for specific projects and normally a project has an ordering right so you start with a you know a proposal and then you end up with a startup meeting and then you have your deliverables which might be in an order and so the obvious thing to do is to label them one two three four and then say what they are one proposal two startup peter can't be doing that at all he thinks that's preposterous why why give put numbers on them you know what they are they're already described in words so i i think peter is uh he doesn't need because the order the order the order is not the order is not set 
The order's never set like that. Yeah, right. So that thing is that that Peter actively fights these kinds of systems, not because he's disordered, but because he sees it as a reductionist approach to what, you know, real world, uh, what in the real world, it, everything is multidimensional and there's no, you know, what's the point of imposing one kind of, uh, you know, dimension on, on these, these inherently messy things? Right of reply. That's my assessment. Um, no, I think that's fairly accurate. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, 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 I just just pick you up I, I i put the date in front of my files as well when they're files that other people are going to need if they're mm. intermediate files or you know not 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 key ones then they don't i don't bother yeah, with the date right. i'll be the judge of whether they're intermediate i i've started putting the dates on the files um that i produce for for these shows good man um, yeah but that was because peter asked me to yeah so, because they were all so. coming in labeled you know podcast three and uh, two April and stuff like that. It was yeah, quite, exactly that. You know, they usually just say every single month. It was a different labelling convention. Yeah, no, exactly that. It was all like, like it was just sometimes Nick rants a lot in this one or something like that. Um, look, question. <clears throat> Organisationally, what would you like to change about yourself? Um, jump in, whoever wants to go first. So I don't want to change myself. I think I'm perfect. I want to change how the, the physical world works. I want to be able to impose digital-like metadata structures on the physical world. So, for example, you can't find your passport because you don't know where it is. I'd like some mechanism of recording where it is that's just part of the physical world. So the passport isn't the physical object, but it's a sort of reference to the passport. Like augmented reality glasses that guide you to, to where things are. Sort of, but actually a sort of like a, a physical thing. So if you could have multiple instances of your passport that were actually the same passport. Mm. Shortcuts. So Shortcuts. Peter, like I Henry VIII's 80 pair, pairs of glasses that he... That, mm. that sort of thing, yeah, yeah. 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 Peter, I sometimes feel like maybe you were born 100 years too early or 1,000 <laughs> years too early. But then that makes me wonder... A hundred Peter of a hundred years or a thousand years from now, what would you be moaning about then? I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll find something. I'll yeah. find something. Um, Chris, uh, yeah. Well, I think um, I think for me, um, I, I, I've, but basically my inbox is full of like, um, let's say you know a thousand or plus messages um, mm. that that I have, haven't deleted, but I don't. I, I don't think oh i wish i could i i wish i reviewed everyone and deleted them all and, and kept this this inbox because i i've i've tried that a number of times and it's it's in, it's like a sisyphean task it's almost it's almost canutian to me you know that it's well it's, why cut your toenails though they'll only grow back well because um if you can manage with long toenails then you wouldn't cut your toenails <laughs> um and and you don't have to cut your toenails every day about 60 times do you uh, yeah, so you've only got 10 toes so <laughs> 10 toes yeah. exactly so so i wouldn't i wouldn't change um I, I i wouldn't change that but i would i would like some mechanism whereby that kind of gets managed for me like an extension to me like a like an automatic tool that would you know, sort my inbox for me simply mm. so that, you know, I mean, as, as was said earlier, you know, I, I kind of, I'm on top of my inbox. I know the important things I've got to deal with. I'd just like that to be represented 
you know, by the inbox itself because it's it's rewarding getting rid of things, you know, ticking things off a list. So, mm. um, so yeah, again, probably not not changing anything, but but the requirement for a for a tool. Um, yeah. So Gmail, if you're if you're out there, that's that's what I need. Yeah. Um, Nick, we'll come to you in a second. Just for me, um, I think I'd like to be better at actually doing the things at which I organise. So. You know, I have beautifully crafted systems that sort of sort everything out, organize it all. Is, but I is, often, is it a distraction strategy? I think it is, yeah. It's yeah. a procrastination, distraction sort of thing. Yeah. Then actually, it's like, you know, drawing on that beautiful um, revision timetable and then not actually bloody revising. Um, that's what I'd like to be better at. So it's not really the organization, it's the doing. Uh, Nick, what about you? Yeah, I think in some ways I'd probably like to be a bit more Chris-like um, in that, so in some ways, you know, having lots of systems um, to organise things becomes a bit of a tyranny in the end, you know, keeping them keeping them up and running. And I, I feel like I could, you know, even though I couldn't live without them, it would be nice to be able to just ignore them and not worry too much about it. Because I know in practice, actually, you know, anything important would let me know if there was something that I'd missed, you know, I'd, I'd find out about it and it, nothing would be that bad. That's kind of freeloading there. Cause it's going to be somebody else who's waiting for yeah, a thing. Yeah. That's and true. Let you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's it really. It's sort of, um, I, d I don't see any alternative because I would be too stressed out if I didn't try and impose this kind of order yeah. on things. But uh, that's yeah. kind of what happened to us though in this last week, because I missed our, um, pre-podcast the whole system um, fell apart yeah basically it was just I, I didn't notice my calendar notification and as you know I got dragged into another meeting with something else and but then got sort of emails saying where the hell are you and and so it kind of worked in a way I don't know the the importance of it sort of reared its head and we managed to fix it right so so yeah I don't know I don't know if that's relevant or not um right we'll stop there that was an interesting expose, it feels. As always, thanks for listening. If you've got any thoughts or suggestions for topics, you can email us at podcast.lfinsights.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and if you've enjoyed the podcast, um, what should people do? Um, Nick? Um, well, smash the like button if you can find it underneath all those open tabs on your mobile. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrewer. We've been here with Peter Coghill, Nick Hare and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye.